Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What Will Be Here, Episode 8, Remove Before Flight. Content warnings for this episode include swearing, gunshots, explosions, and implied death. See the show notes for more details and a link to the transcript. Been a hell of a week, huh? Let's do a quick rundown, shall we? One of my best friends has been relocated, thanks to Savannah. We lose out on all our fuel opportunities, thanks to Savannah. And someone I love... Someone I thought I loved. Someone who meant means a great deal to me may just be the cause of all of this thanks to savannah so just to recap fuck savannah but how exactly did we all get here i mean besides savannah because we need to go a little bit further back than that in order to fully understand how fucked we are. I don't know that anyone's really laid it out for you, dear listeners. Shuri told me she tried, but the tone of her voice indicated that it might not have been coherent. So, imagine the world. It's the turn of the 22nd century. The environment's fucked. Constant environmental disasters a never-ending pandemic, and a near-suffocating military presence. The economy's in shambles. Again. And we've got more poor people than we know what to do with. So the rich start to force them deeper and deeper underground. Out of sight, out of mind. NASA's been forcibly disbanded. I mean, makes sense. When your own planet is in a constant state of chaos and decay, no one really gives a shit about space travel. Except, of course, Nolan Lepe. 
he takes over a company run by some poor schmuck, forces the board out, and rebrands the whole company, renaming it Andatra. They pivot to making rockets for space travel and exploration, satellites, and unsurprisingly, the military. So, Lepe's doing his thing, running the lower class even further into the ground, buying up shares of everything he can get his hands on, until the mid-2100s, when we meet our very own, and very first, quadrillionaire, this asshole named Gout Nocor. This guy starts what is basically new NASA. Savannah, <laughs> the one and only. A company dedicated to putting their grubby little hands in everything. Technology, security, commerce, artificial intelligence, politics. Anything and everything. No one can keep up. Politicians become Savannah lobbyist sheep. One by one, those small businesses are eaten up by Savannah. No one can compete. Except for Andatra, they remain one of the only companies left, focusing all their time and energy on space travel. So, ever the competitor, Savannah creates Ocelot, a space science industry dedicated to taking the people to the stars and beyond, asking what will be here when we're all dead and unprofitable. Lepi and Nocor immediately get buddy-buddy and partner up on a bunch of projects. Rockets, missiles, space programs, satellites. The two of them are nearly inseparable. <laughs> Until... Lepi dies. The head honchos at Andatra said it was due to natural causes. An unnamed illness. I don't know. It was really vague and, frankly almost certainly a lie. No one believed them, and wouldn't you know it, two days after the old man's death, Andatra is acquired by Ocelot. And then Savannah owns the world, or at least most of North America. Now everyone's looking to Nokor, who, despite their 100 some odd years on this earth, is looking younger and younger every day. There are rumors, and verifiable truths, that Nokor's got some fun cybernetic enhancements to extend his life. Though Savannah would rather kill a man before they admit that their glorious leader is mostly robot at this point. Actually, I'm pretty sure they've killed hundreds in order to cover that up. Killed a lot more people than that, just trying to force the world to run the way they want. A stronger military, higher rent. Advanced technology. All in the name of scientific advancement. So, where does that leave us? Me and my people? We got forced underground. See, when rent got too high, people were forced to move out. And instead of filling those apartments with more people... They just pushed those buildings down and built more shit on top. There's layers and layers of city underneath the one above. Ever-expanding tunnels of old, abandoned structures. 
Infrastructure's not too great down here, but most of it's still tapped into existing electrical lines. Plumbing and airflow's a bit trickier, but I think we've managed as well as we can. We've got black markets and topside dealers, and Savannah only raids us, well, the raids used to be few and far between, but with jewels, I guess it makes sense why they've been more frequent. Fuck. <sighs> <clears throat> Alright. Anyways. Um. Right. So, uh, Jules, I guess. Got it into her head that we need to preserve us. Our voices. Our experiences. Our memories for the future to find. For you to find. So she hit up Armani, who found Kay, and then Shuri. And God knows I wasn't going to let her do this alone. So now we're going to rob the largest fucking corporation on the planet. And God knows if we'll even make it out alive. <laughs> well, I bet Kay might. And Jewel... Dane? Jules! Uh, fuck! Uh... What, uh, what, what, what's up? Could we talk? I just don't want to leave anything unsaid before we leave. <sighs> uh, yeah, yeah, bet. Just, just, uh, just let me... Alright, let's cover inventory one more time. One, a Wombat model transportation vehicle that we're all going to agree our money built using spare parts and definitely not by using spare parts of a credit card. Should be right outside. I'll check that after this. Two, four cart mark high efficiency pumps to suck out the fuel. New O-rings on three of them, 50 foot lines attached to each. Three, 22 shipping barrels, which I'm gonna say have no holes in them. Okay, I should actually fill those all up and make sure that there aren't any holes. That's a little iffy on the one, but I'm sure some duct tape will work on a pinch for that. Ah, we're storing these right side up. It's not like it's gonna flood the truck. Four, five Savannah security passes, which I am praying will work because if they don't, we're all toast today instead of next week, but I can't check that at the moment. Five, wait, six, five, six, who cares? Next up. Three closed proximity stun guns and one camera jammer, which looks a little too much like a stun gun, if you ask me. My, that would be awkward. Shoving a digital jammer in a rhino's face. Oh, let's just make that a little easier to ID so that doesn't happen. And on that note, um... Let's just make sure my little minion is working nice and smoothly. Ah! Ah! <laughs> okay, okay, uh, I will braise myself next time I do that. Shock factor, check. Accidental fire factor, did not know about that. Actual fire, check. 
Glove for me, gloves for Dane, gloves for Shuri, gloves for Armani, and frankly, Jules can just get her own damn gloves for all I care, considering that she can actually afford it. Check, 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 check. False IDs for me and Armani. I should really get around to getting my picture updated on this. Radio tracker for Jules' shoe that will auto-destruct after six hours so I can tell if she's double-crossed us. Check. Really getting an I'm a major liability, but my heart is true by from her after last night's little interrogation. I mean, sure, she hardly knows anything, but she definitely has the authority to tell us what not to do. I'll be following Shuri's lead on this for sure. Do I bring a gun gun or just the minion? Could be useful. I'm gonna bring the gun. Sure, it's been three years since I've shot one, as bullets are either controlled by Savannah or made yourself, and that's a boring, boring task. But I'm sure I can still shoot. If ever there was ever a time for it, I think this is it. What's next? Lockpicks? Yeah... Those are brand new, and it'll be faster to melt my way through any doors we come across. Dolphin armor. Ugh, I get so sweaty in that stuff. Uh, cooling vent is a risk. Well, so is overheating, you fully air-conditioned corporate chair warmer. I really wish we had something a little less conspicuous, but this is what we've got, and it'll have to do. Three different brands of radios, which I have calibrated to the right frequency. One frequency scanner, which I'm going to have to monitor during the heist. Oh, I sure hope Savannah isn't using encoded radio transmissions these days. Yeah, the old static filter trick is easy enough to run, but digital encryption is a whole other thing. I'm 80% sure they're still using walkie-talkies, though, which, last I checked, can't even do that sort of encryption. Damn. If we get caught on this, we're gonna go down on so many charges. <laughs> but I'm sure Jules will weasel her way out somehow or other. Speaking of which, I need to find her shoe. Thievery is a tradition as old as time. Older, some might even say. In many mythologies, most of them, in fact, humanity really begins with an act of theft. Fire, usually. The Greek story is the one best known in the English-speaking world. The Titan Prometheus not only created humanity from clay, but stole the divine fire and gifted it to us, allowing us to cook, to work metal, to flourish. He was then damned to an eternity of suffering, chained to a rock while an eagle ate his liver each day. I much prefer the Georgian equivalent, which follows the epic hero Amirani, who I sometimes like to think I take my name from. The story varies depending on your source, but a half-mortal adventurer survives all sorts of ordeals. Giants, dragons, He actually gets eaten by a dragon in most of the stories and manages to cut his way out. Some versions say that he challenged God himself. Others that the people called upon God to punish him for his hubris. And others still that he stole the secrets of metalwork and introduced them to humanity. Either way, he ends up imprisoned inside of a mountain. 
Some have an eagle tormenting him like Prometheus. Most have his dog trying to free him by licking or biting his chain. And every year, the chains are reforged by the world's blacksmiths to keep him locked away forever. I've always looked at those stories with a bit of suspicion. On the one hand, humanity is only as advanced as we are thanks to those thieves. We would still be using stone and wood tools without them, and we would never have developed things like modern farming, long-range communication, transportation, advanced medicine, most of our leisure and entertainment activities. Yet they're punished. Not just once, but for eternity. For sharing the ability to grow and flourish. Is that the fate we're setting ourselves up for? Are we... Stealing Savannah's truth and allowing humanity to live on in some true way, only to suffer for eternity ourselves? Will we be kept alive in some sort of Frankensteined medical horror? To be tortured until the planet is finally uninhabitable because we dared to speak the truth? Of course, not all thieves are punished. In many versions, the theft of fire is committed by an animal, often the archetypical rabbit or crow, who sometimes takes their black sheen from the burns of their theft. There's also the treasure thief of Ramesses III, whose father built a secret entrance to the royal treasure chambers just for his sons to go in and steal the riches. After his brother is killed in a trap and denied his final rights, the thief tricks the guards around his body into a drunken stupor so he can bury his brother. Later on, he confesses his crimes to the pharaoh's daughter and leaves her with his brother's arm when she grabs him to have him arrested. He's eventually pardoned for being so clever and marries the princess. So there might be some hope for us yet. Then again, not all stories about stealing have grand implications. The Thief of Alexandria, for example, is just a short and funny story. It goes that a trooper arrives in Alexandria and has his purse stolen. Naturally, he goes to the police captain, who in turn arrests everyone in the vicinity until someone fesses up. The thief actually runs forward at once, not only confessing, but explaining how he stole the money in great detail. He has, in fact, stolen this money twice. He proceeds to take the purse from the trooper, right in front of the crowd, who all think that he's just demonstrating how he stole the money in the first place. He then takes off running and crosses the river, leaving the trooper penniless. And the police refuse to do much more, since the man wasn't clever enough to keep his money from the same man twice. Knowing Savannah, we likely won't get the free pass for being clever. If anything, we'll probably get an extra charge slapped on for evading surveillance or something. But if you're hearing this, whoever you are, we were clever enough to pull this off in the first place. Only time will tell if we were clever enough to do it again. Maybe with a Savannah rocket next time. Wouldn't that be something? 
launching this thing and then telling Savannah, hey, see what we can do with a bunch of trash? Imagine what we could do with your funding and materials. Sneaking all sorts of transmitters and archives off-world from right under their noses. That's sure to be a trickster story worth telling. Of course, we'd have to get everyone on board for that. And we'd need Jules to cover for us in a major way that I'm not entirely sure they can do. She might try, but can she succeed? I'm not too sure. In case this is the last you hear from me, we are what will be here when the stolen fire burns out the savannah. Even if we get burned in the process. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, hi there. Uh, yeah. Uh, hi everyone. Sorry. I'm a little bit more put together when I record these messages, but... Jeez. So much has been happening and changing just within the last few days. And most of it is, like, embarrassingly personal. But personal matters are part of being human, so I want to share them with you. I mean, I am a human in the 23rd century, and even I feel like I've recently learned so much about humans and our relationships with each other. So, here we go. Crash course on everything wrong with my life, ATM. ATM, that stands for at the moment. And how human connection is making me feel like everything might... Be okay. Accompaniment provided by me making paper cranes for everyone. <sighs> okay. For starters, there's my parents. I feel like I'm in this weird limbo space with them. Now that I know what they do, I mean, I've always felt like there was a gap in our relationship. We've never been super close, but, but man, I thought I at least knew what their jobs were. And on the one hand, I'm really upset. I can't ignore this. They... My parents, they hurt people. And it's crazy because even I had a friend or two suddenly get relocated and I would get mad at them for not, like, answering my texts anymore. But now I know it's not... It's not what I thought. It's just weird, you know? Because technically I know more about my parents now than I did before... If, if this were normal, I think I would be feeling closer to them right now. But instead, it feels like the gap between us has gotten impossibly larger. <sighs> I figure, when I get the chance, I'll just ask. I never asked before. I can't hate them for never telling me when I never even had the good sense to wonder. 
So I'll start the conversation. It's called effective communication, apparently. I've been experiencing a lot of that down here. One down, four to go. All this learning I've been doing, it's all happening down here. This team is teaching me so much, whether they know it or not. If anything, I'm glad they don't seem to know it. At least, that way I don't feel like I'm making them do the work for me. Instead, it's that being with them, being friends with them, has taught me so much. And they... They're more than friends to me now. They're like... Basically, they're my... I mean, listen. My only family is a set of parents who've never even told me what their jobs are. Which, again, I, I can't be mad at them for that, but... Hopefully that gives some perspective on how close we... aren't. And then I come down here and a bunch of strangers are welcoming me with open arms, talking to me about every facet of their lives, willing to work on this totally insane, fantastical project with me. And make it... real. I'm really... Ugh, I don't even know what word to pick. Grateful? Lucky? Just... Happy? I don't know, but meeting them. Ugh. Come on, Jules. Sentences. What I mean is, honestly, I think getting to see everyone every day makes me happier than the prospect of sending this rocket into space. Don't get me wrong, I still care about the rocket. It's our baby. But, man, I'd be lying if I said that I never. Okay, listen. This is a secret, okay? And I don't mean it, but sometimes I catch myself hoping that the rocket never goes up, just so I have an excuse to keep seeing my... my friends. I get scared, you know? What if the rocket thing ends and... this ends? What if all of this ends? But, uh, uh that's besides the point. Gout... I wish I could focus for more than 10 seconds. That whole long-winded spiel just goes to say, I really, really like these guys. So why does it feel like I'm always hurting them? If it isn't me being willfully ignorant, it's me actively doing something harmful. One day, it's a tracking device. The next day, it's me still accidentally saying that Dane and Sherry are basically siblings. I just keep... I keep getting things wrong. I'm, I may have been responsible for that raid. Dane is confident that it wasn't 100% on me, sure, but I know I made it worse. I made them... I made us go through something so terrible. I made them revisit some of the worst days of their lives. I did that to them, and... And Ari is baking banana bread the next day, giving me a slice. Kay is cracking jokes about me lending him a hand to straighten up in the garage. Dane is trying to make me feel better. And Shuri doesn't just flat out kill me. Shuri hasn't forgiven me. She does not trust me. And maybe she never will, but Gout, can you blame her? She may not trust me, but she's still civil. She still hasn't shut me out. For comparison, Someone stood me up at the movies one time in high school, and I cut them off completely. Legitimately, never spoke to them again. Some of her friends have been missing for months now because of me, and Shuri still gets my wallet back for me every time I get pickpocketed. 
Mistakes topside make you disappear. Mistakes down here make you a human being. Even with Dane, I mean, we just had our first fight. And he was really angry. And he's right. He should be. Because how could I think that anything Savannah did would be harmless? But even he... When I asked, he said he wants to make this work. To make us work. And he hid it behind a bunch of stuff about the heist being dangerous and how we need to be able to trust each other and put aside feelings to pull it off. That's true. But I love him so seriously. I'll take anything. I... I miss him. And I want him to know that just as much as he's there for me, I am trying to be there for him. To be the person he needs me to be. It's not going to happen right away. We can't bounce back from that immediately, but after everything, he would still look at me straight in the eye and speak to me honestly. And his honesty was something so unbelievably kind. Something I didn't deserve. A second chance. Or it feels more like a thousandth chance when it comes to me. And I am still in this state of shock and awe because apparently this is how it can be between people. Topside, connections end at the surface level because you don't want any one person knowing too much about you, not even someone you love. But here, not just in the underground, specifically here in this headquarters, with these four people, we are fully ourselves. Out in the open for each other to see, and everyone has chosen to accept one another. We're even choosing to like each other. No strings attached, no inherent benefits, no promise of higher social standing. It's just us. It's Armani and Kay and Shuri and Dane and Jules. Waking up every day and choosing to be together. Apparently this is what happens when people like one another. When you meet good people. When you make good friends. Despite every mistake and miscommunication, we still want to see each other. I wake up thinking, I can't wait to see them again. We don't have a distant future to look forward to, I know. But I, I can't help it. They make me look forward to tomorrow. Hey, that was really poetic and beautiful. But are you looking forward to cheesecake? Because I made a heist cheesecake. Is it a vegan heist cheesecake? For you, Jules? Of course. I love you so much. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh-huh. I'm telling Dane you said that. Tell Dane I also wouldn't know him if it wasn't for you. Okay, will do. <laughs> You're joking, right? Am I? Armani? Armani, please don't! We just started working things out! <laughs> Armani! Armani! Oof! Sorry, Shuri. It's fine. Watch your head right here. Thanks. Fuck. Everything okay? Yeah, it's all good. We've just found another for him to be exit. Did you get everything? Yeah, Dane and I did. So did Jules and I. Cars idling and ready to go. It 
It's a bit of a bottleneck here. Armani, Dane, you go first. Use the access card so we don't trip the alarms. Copy that. Meet you in the getaway van. Good luck. See you soon. Love you. Stop flirting. I'm not flirting. Come on. Okay. Let's move. God damn it. Shit. The card isn't working. It's on passcode override. Let me try. Hey, fuck! We're not going anywhere, okay? Look. Not moving. Ah, Nashiri, we meet again. I want that one for questioning. Copy that. And Julia Montgomery, according to what the algorithms tell me, is that even the name you use underground, your parents would be disappointed in you. <laughs> Nothing to say, huh? Well, I have lots to talk about. I have been working hard to track you down, Miss Shuri. I thought you were a simple, petty criminal when we set up our deal, but no. Your crimes go deep. Runs in the family, looks like. Yeah, you didn't give me a last name, but What's with a good look name? at your face, until I managed Savannah to track you down. Months ago, you were able to cross-reference sure your his face real name, with a few though. of your more. I have an idea, but it's risky. Troublesome. You trust relatives. Me? I trust you. You'll get to see them again soon, mm -hmm. once Savannah is done with you, of course. Savannah says, "Ask yourself, what will be here?" My partner and I have done exactly that. Truth be told. We're not too happy with what we found. What? My parents will be very disappointed in you. Shuri and I were sent by them to test your security system. You're lying. If I was lying, how would I know the exit codes? Only upper-level executives hold warehouse codes. Everyone else has to have key cards. And if you're about to suggest I stole them, feel free to give my father a call to check. I'm sure he wouldn't mind being pulled away from his very important work to confirm. You're not on the pen test team. If you thought I was, wouldn't that defeat the purpose? Some things go higher than your clearance level. <laughs> but Shuri, the only Savannah-sanctioned list she's on is the graveyard list. If you thought she was on Savannah's payroll, wouldn't that defeat the purpose? She's the best in the business. You know this. Do you know what this is supposed to be? Fuel. Shuri, if you will. Just one. Yes. This is supposed to be fuel. It was placed specifically for us to steal. You nearly let us out of the facility with them. You just poured rocket fuel on the ground. Get with the program, Sintil. It's fake. Doesn't smell fake. Mm. I'm gonna have to give the executives a call. Feel free. We have nothing to hide. Of course, we do have a rather illuminating report of your security flaws to bring to upper management. Sinto, are you sure? 
Can't we resolve this without the bosses? No, they need to know what's going Enough. on. Enough. I don't need to call. I've received a message that there is no such operation. Miss Montgomery is lying. Don't move or we will open fire. You better not. Yeah, I lied. Do it. That's real rocket fuel on the ground. Shuri, go. But you're- Go. No! Jules! Go! <sighs> oh, shit. Sintel. What? Ask yourself, what will be here? Or rather, ask what was. <laughs> this episode was written by Brad Colebrook, Chandler Harrison, Cole Burkhart, D. Reese, and Talmanier, with script editing by Evan Tess Murray. It was directed by Cole Burkhart and Talmanier, and sound designed by Talmanier, and features John Y. Kamara as Dane, Vico Ortiz as Kay, Kathy Youssef as Armani, Jonah Loon as Jules, and Sahar Iman as Shuri. This episode also features Cole Burkhart as Sintil, and Talmanier and Brad Colebrook as security guards. The theme music is by Benny James, and the transcript is by Caroline Minks. What Will Be Here is primarily produced in Long Beach, on the stolen land of the Quiche Nation. Okay, we've had a problem here. This is Houston, say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.